Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. 
And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode four, I think, of five. Yeah, I think so. Welcome to a new episode of Sleep Talking, and this is the final episode before the premiere of season two on uh, Thursday, the 26th, I believe. And today, uh, first off, little little tiny bit of a spoiler warning for you. Um, Mark will be sharing a few juicy details on what you can expect in season two uh, toward the end of the episode. So if you prefer to go into the story completely blind, um, I'll try to give a little warning at the uh, when we get into it toward the end of the episode so that you can... Uh, just tune out and uh, save your your uh, ignorance, I guess, on uh, what's in store for the twins. Um, what else before we get into it? We're going to go over today. Um, they want to talk a little bit about childhood influences uh, regarding horror and kind of where their love of horror originated. Uh, if you can throw in there too, we have a uh, question from one of our patrons, um, David, asking uh, when the idea for the Maltopia universe was born. So if you want to get into that at some point, that'd be cool. Uh, from there, we're going to get into uh, the remaining audience questions, and then we'll talk about season two spoilers. And the last uh, little tidbit before we get into it is, as some of you may know, uh, the sleep-wake cycle has joined uh, the Rusty Quill Podcast Network, which is incredibly exciting. Awesome. (laughs) Very, very happy about that. Yeah, yeah, we are very proud and very excited to be among such incredible creators, such incredible podcasters, and we look forward to uh, collaborating, working with them, listening uh, to all of their content, and um, just kind of getting to know everyone and uh, likely learning a lot uh, from them. So very exciting. Congratulations uh, to the other podcasts who joined the network with us. Very exciting times. And um, yeah, we've been uh, kind of celebrating for uh, quite a while now. We've uh, 
had the news for quite a while and it was all hush hush and we were chomping at the bit to share the news, but um, we couldn't. And so now that we can, we're still just in a bit of shock still. Do, so. do you know that it's it's champing at the bit? I, I, I always call it chomping at the bit. It's Apparently it's... Champ, champ. I don't know. Look, we, it's champing. We, we live in a we live in a world now where the definition of literally has been modified to mean is a secondary <laughs> definition to mean virtually, which is antithetical completely to the no, actual yeah. definition. Uh, so I think like me or um, we could say just, like salivating at the bit or whatever, yeah. and it would be fair game. It'd be fine. We disagree. Right. We disagree uh, with the. I just found it interesting. I, I I'd always said jumping at the bit, and I can't remember what what it was that caused me to. I th- no, it was on a show. Someone said jumping at the bit, and the other person goes champing at the bit, or whatever the hell it is. It's like, like when they, they allowed nuclear. You remember nuclear. when nuclear wasn't? You know, you made fun of somebody for saying nuclear. Yeah, it's nuclear, and, and, the, and now that's because of the yeah, you know, President Bush. <laughs> yeah, a lot of like, the, oh, that's cool um, now. You know, President Bush did it, so. It's a lot right. of the evolution of language comes from popular culture. So or devolution. Nuclear became a thing was because of the president. And I'm pretty sure uh, chomping at the bit became acceptable. Uh, don't quote me on this. I had to look it up years ago and I may have gotten the details wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure that one likely started as champing. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even know what champing is. I, I just, I know what chomping is obviously, but I don't what about chafing at the bit? That, that sounds horrible. <laughs> chomping became, despite being incorrect, chomping um, kept being used. And so it just became part of uh, the lexicon, despite its uh, incorrectness, uh, to the point that it becomes uh, acceptable. And a lot of language uh, depends far more on what's acceptable rather than what's necessarily correct. For better or for oh, worse. And how ranking the person is in uh, whatever kind of establishment who chooses to mispronounce it so that the guys in the dictionary can scramble around and we got to fix that. You can't yeah. be perceived as being an idiot. We got we to gotta validate that word. It's got to be a thing. That's more, yeah, that's the new official way of saying that because so-and-so to the point, screwed actually, it up so many times. Yeah, and to the point that uh, literally has been used so technically incorrectly so often for so long that they decided to add it's been used so loosely that they decided to add that loose definition so uh i think in that way um i've i've heard something similar about dictionaries in general it's a record of the language it's not it's not a rule book it's a record of language and how it's used so in that regard we can't really fault them for adding it because it is an accurate reflection of contemporary contemporary usage. But um, it's just a lot of uh, word snobs like me hate that usage because it's stupid. But what do you <laughs> tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, what are you going to do? So you just roll with it. And, he means that. He means that literally. I mean that there's no word for how I mean that because it's been stolen <laughs> and that's the whole problem. <laughs> anyway, so uh, very excited to be on the Rusty Quill Network. Um, yes, thank you the- very much for, for allowing us entrance. It is a tremendous honor, tremendous honor. 
And yeah, a excited. lot of the a lot of the reason it happened at all was because of the audience. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning yes, in. Yes, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Now, uh, if we could uh, do the same with the Maltopia podcast. <laughs> Anyone listening, Rusty Quill? No? Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, influences, childhood influences. What do you got? Uh, who wants to go first? I don't have any. <laughs> and, and, I, and I have a really dumb story about the first thing that scared the crap out of me. And that's where yes. my, weird, my weird, my weird journey took off. Oh, I'll start. I'll start. That, that, that has to be. Were the- you, were you playing a uh, centaur or knight in the backyard when you were a kid? When it hit you? Stop it. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that came later. That came later. Oh, no, <laughs> only child here, folks. So uh, yeah, got a little creative <laughs> in my playtime. Um, no, I, re- I distinctly remember Okay, I think back when cable first started, it was was it Prism before HBO? Because like, there was like there was a network called Prism, I think. And yeah. my parents, yeah, my parents were watch were watching some stuff, and Jaws was coming on, and I was like, "Ooh, I like sharks!" Not understanding what this movie would be about, and I I was what, what year was that? Seventy what? I had to been when did that come uh, out? Seventy six? Eight? Uh, so I was probably. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was too young to be. I was seven. Let's say, let's say I was seven years old. I was too young to be watching this kind of stuff. And I remember I went to bed, and my parents were watching it downstairs in, in the living room, and they had their couch set up so I could sneak down the hallway and I could see the TV. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to watch this movie. And I snuck down, and it was the it was the scene. It was the, the beginning. It was a scene when the the chick swimming out to the the buoy, and the whole thing happens, and it was the most horrifying thing. I ever saw and I'm sitting there like <gasps> watching this thing behind the couch my parents can't know I'm there I ran back to my room I went to, went to sleep and for the next I'm not kidding at least the next six to seven months I was afraid of the toilet because I swore to God <laughs> that shark was coming up out of the water and was going to pull me under like that woman in the beginning and it was this horrifyingly horrifying mix of oh my god I this is this is so scary and I kind of love it at the same time and I realized I kind of I kind of dug it. So that was my very first visual, oh my God, moment with that. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to yeah. say it was the scene where uh, Quint got eaten as he was like sliding down the boat and like Jaws was sitting at the bottom. That probably would have destroyed me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, it literally took the first 15 minutes of that story. And I was like, I'm out of here. And it's all it <laughs> Can we? Um... But I was fascinated by it. Here's one. Uh, I didn't think I had any um, horror influences. I wasn't allowed to watch horror as a kid, which is why I think during childhood, I was so scared of scary movies, having never seen any, because holy crap, they must be terrible, because I'm not allowed <laughs> to watch them. And I remember one summer, like, I was flipping channels and like Friday the 13th was on or something. And my mom made me shut it off. And I'm like, wow, what is it with this horror stuff? It must be terrible. And so maybe it was my um, anxious nature, but the anticipation of horror was always worse than the horror movie itself. So when I did see the occasional horror movie in my teen years, I was like, oh, this is so this is just (laughs) storytelling. That's that's all. This isn't, you know. 
but I recall for some reason I was like really young. I was like four or five. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to top the weirdness here, which is the only reason I bring this up. But one summer, uh, my mom was making hot dogs, frying hot dogs in a pan. And you know, the sizzle sound, Mm -hmm. it was, there were four of us. So there was a ton of hot dogs in this big pan sizzling like crazy, super hot. That sound, I I was like five, that sound scared the crap out of me. (laughs) I actually left the house. It was raining out and I sat on the front steps (laughs) because I was so scared. I thought the house was going to burn down. It was just such an angry sound. I couldn't get over it. And my mom came out um, a little while later looking for me because I just disappeared. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't the hot dogs. <laughs> oh, okay. Never, never mentioned that to anyone. And now I uh, told the world. Awesome. Moving on. Activate your, your uh, post-trauma by sneaking into your right. house some night while you're sleeping and putting some, some Nathans on the pan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hear it now and it's like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I like it. Oh, I don't know what that is. So That's funny. my childhood horror story. I don't know. Uh, you want to go next, Steve? You want me to go? He's not even paying any attention. He's, he's doing something. <laughs> I guess I'll go. Um, my very first. I think I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Kelly. Like I, I used to sneak down and try to watch television when my parents, you know, ex- ex- expressly, like, you don't ever come in here. Yeah. And I kind of took on a little bit what uh, what Walker was talking about with regards to just kind of assuming the worst. Like, this has got to be some serious shit. And um, I think the very first like exposure I had to it was, and I still don't know the name of this movie. It had Jan Michael Vincent in it. And all I remember are scenes. And I think he was up against some kind of a spirit or something. It was wearing like a voodoo mask or a witch doctor's mask of some kind. Oh, I should gosh. look up his filmography so I can see what this movie was. Um, but it, it just seemed to be everywhere in this movie, the, the brief glimpse that I got of it. And so I came away with, with this really weird, confused concept of what horror was. I knew that there was some kind of a monster in it and that it was harrowing Jan Michael Vincent and that it didn't seem like he could get away from it. So I think my, my very earliest conception yeah. of horror was like having an adversary or being pursued by something that wasn't limited in the conventional sense. Like it could be anywhere and, and do anything, which is relevant because I used to get these nightmares that I used to, I keep a, a huge dream log. I've got, I don't know how yeah. many of these things tucked away, but like one of the recurring themes is there's something after me. And it's everywhere. There's just a, a sense of pure futility of it. And it's very kind of specific, too, to this one thing that I run into a lot. And uh, that really was the first tidbit, I think, of, of, yeah. of horror I was exposed to. And it was very freaky. And I now that I, I'm talking about it, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was just this weird. <laughs> and it was a weird mask, too. It was I can re- very clearly remember the mask. I think he had gone into a swimming pool or something. He had jumped into the water and it was he put his head underwater. And this thing was coming at it and it had this big puckered lip kind of, or its mouth was in an O formation or something. It was very bizarre and it scared the living shit out of me. I just did not expect what I saw in any way, shape or form. And that was like my, my first brush, my first glimpse. And now it's your turn, Steve. You weren't paying any attention or I don't know what you were doing before. (laughs) 
Uh, I had to let the cat out of the. He was in here, and oh. I tripped over a water bottle. So, uh, my first venture into horror was it was kind of odd because I, I really probably the first horror movie I saw was um, I think it's I think it's House. I'm just a terrible horror movie. If you've ever seen hey it. hey, that's not a terrible horror movie. Well, I mean it's you know it's kind of goofy. Don't you think? No, it's not. It's a very house. good movie. Stop making fun of House. House too. Uh, yeah, you can make fun of that one. Same. Not house. Well, that's William Cat, I believe. I think William Cat was the, yeah. the star. Yeah. Well, that I was that, that was that was the first horror movie I could tolerate without being scared because it, it just for some reason didn't scare me. On a horror podcast, and you're shitting on on House. That <laughs> <laughs> was wrong with you. I'm just saying, by today's standards, it might not. Might by not today's be. standards, it's it's gold. Yeah. It's a wonderful movie. House well, 2 I, did suck. I've watched that hundreds of times. I say hundreds and thousands. Maybe I haven't watched. Anyway, it's your segment. You know, just don't shit on house. I don't know. I'll shit on another one. Um, <laughs> Careful. What was the Careful. second one? Oh, the other one was The Gate. I remember seeing The Gate when I was a kid. Oh, The and Gate. Was, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, I was, don't I you, could to- tolerate don't that. Don't I, you I dare shit on The Gate. And uh, but then there were other movies that, that did scare me because I, I didn't, I, the ones that I, my parents had a, a really, you know, after talking to other people, about what their parents let them watch. Like my wife, she wasn't allowed to watch horror movies and like walkers. My parents were a bit weird on that. Like they wouldn't, it, it, there, there were these criteria. Like I was only like eight or nine, but I could watch movies as long as they did not have one sex, two, it had to be super filth, like super cursing going on. I could, I could listen to normal cursing or whatever, but the violence didn't really, it, it, it could be really violent unless it was like horribly, horribly violent. I could watch a lot of those movies. So like house and the gate and all those, like I couldn't watch Hellraiser or anything, but I would sneak downstairs and hide behind the couch and watch the ones that my, <laughs> that Mark was watching. I remember watching a uh, lost, uh, the lost boys behind a couch. And then That's uh, awesome. <laughs> but I didn't I, no, I could, well, I mom, could mom had like the specific biases and whatnot. Like, to this day, she will not watch Rosemary's right. Baby because she thinks it's like incredibly frightening. And I'm like, Mom, that movie is not frightening. It's not at all frightening, really. Because Mom has a fear of anything that has the devil. In it. Devil, yeah. I mean, she's she's just a classic Catholic. You know, she's been raised to fear the devil. She 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 does so accordingly. Can't watch movies that have that for a theme. But you know, pretty much anything else is on the table. We could, you know, I, I remember. I, I remember when I was, was a like kid, three I watched or Gar- four. When I watched Gargoyles with Mom, and then I watched. That's an awesome movie. There's a ton of movies that I remember watching that Mom didn't yeah. care that I that I even Dad didn't care, so I was like, oh, I'll just watch these movies. I, I couldn't watch, like, well, I was more. It was more given a warning, not that I couldn't watch it, but my mom said, if you watch that movie, don't come in the bedroom yelling at me. You stay in your bedroom if you yeah, shoot a watch this that. movie. So it was <laughs> my decision. <laughs> But she would intimidate me with like must be horrifying if I got right. But uh those were my my first um dives into into horror. She let me watch um like my first horror movie that I remember watching. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of them. I don't I don't know whether or not I don't know what order they came in, but I remember getting to watch and I don't I didn't remember the entirety of the movie. I remember a scene that stuck with me for like 45 years until I finally figured out what the movie was. The movie was called Horror Express. It starred Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. And I do believe um, Telly Savalas was in it. And it was a Hammer film. 
which is weird because I've seen, I don't know how many Hammer films and I had never seen this one. Yeah. And it's, it's the Horror Express. And there's this one scene where the monster in the movie, he's in a box. He's supposed to be kind of, uh, he's like a fossil of some kind and he's supposed to be in this box. He can't get out. Or, I think he's supposed to be dead actually. They're just transporting his body. And somebody looks in to the box where this creature is. And the creature has the ability to steal your memories. And the way it goes about that is to kind of, <laughs> it's such a ridiculous premise. It, it, it kind of smooths your brain out while it stares at you. And there's actually an autopsy scene in the movie. I watched it many times later once I realized what it was. And they're looking at one of the, the monster's victim's brains. And they're like, it's as smooth as a baby's behind. And you know what that means? The convolutions are gone, which means it's been robbed of all of its memories. Whatever did this has absorbed their memories. And that was what this monster did. He would stare at you. But in this one scene that I remembered, he was staring at this person who was staring into the box. And their eyes got all bloody. And they started like blood gushing out of their eyes. And there was this really cheesy kind of horror music. And that's all I remember. That was it. That's all I had as like my, my primer. And then later on, I happened to watch the movie and that scene came on. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then a rush of childhood, like fear kind of descended on me. I remember the scene. But that was could have been the first. The other one would have been Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which came out in 1970. Oh, yeah, that was, oh that was, God. The original. Yes. Yeah. That's After the awesome. original, the remake was. Mm-mm. <laughs> I didn't go near registers for a long time after that because I was scared I was going to get pulled on. <laughs> I I think that that movie is a good candidate for the Mandela effect, and 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 Kelly, you've seen it, so maybe you you you'll agree with me. We'll see, yeah. what, we'll see if we grew up in the same dimension according to the, the Mandela effect. When I watched it, and I saw a lot of other people making comments about this. For anybody that doesn't know, let me give you a brief breakdown of the movie. Uh, Haunted house. There's. Uh, fireplace where these little monsters live and the new people buy the house they get into the house you're not supposed to open up this little ash door that leads into the fireplace if you do that these little monsters come out and they they try to take you and and drag you down into the basement with them the fireplace with them and then you turn into one of them those are the broadest strokes there's more there's more details but that that's essentially what you need to know but when i started looking for this movie my memories were very specific I don't remember an ash door. I don't remember a fireplace. I remember a vent and like a heating duct. I specifically remember uh, hands coming up through the heating duct. And But when I watched the movie, that wasn't in there at all. It was this ash door built into the side of a fireplace. And they came out of that. Yeah, I always thought they came from a register. And, I, and as I'm reading the comments about this movie, other people were saying that. They're like, I don't remember a fireplace and I don't remember the ash door. It was a vent, a heating vent. And then at the end, these little creatures, they're, they're about uh, maybe a foot or so tall. They drag the main character down these stairs and into their world, which in the movie is presumably at the bottom of the fireplace. My recollection totally different. They dragged her into a heating vent. And I wasn't oh, the only one that had that recollection. Huh. So I'm I'm thinking maybe I'm I'm a I'm a human being from a different dimension. I, that my relate reality has collapsed into this one, and now I'm forced to reconcile the differences of my my universe with this one. That's interesting because I I know, yeah I clearly remember it being that whatever furnace down in that basement thing, and the old man's like I can't take it off. Don't you touch that? You know the whole thing, yep. and then she's yeah taking the bolts out in the end, and 
Yeah, I used to call them the prune people when I was younger. They do look like, they <laughs> look like prunes. Little prune people. And I, I, yeah, for you, like, remember that movie, the prune people? I can't remember the name of that dang movie. And I, yeah, I, I, found, I found it a couple, like, a uh, year or two ago. And I was like, oh, we got to watch this again. And so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so good. It's such a good movie. Low budget, I, but, you know, it's great. And, but, and I love how like, <laughs> they're walking around with, like, the big props, you know, so they look, oh, yeah. they look real small. It's like, it's like it's so well done. For and their mouth, they, they made no attempts to cover up the fact that the mouths <laughs> didn't move. It's like a, it's clearly a mask and they're talking and their mouth is just like they're closed. They, they show them their mouth yeah. is closed. And it just kind of moves up and down a little bit. <laughs> it does. Like, come on, like use some shadows or something. Make it sound or look like at least they, they could talk. But no, it's like right out in the open. It kind of kills the. Well, yeah, it didn't when, yeah. you're, when you're four or whatever watching it. I must well, have watched I, it around four or five. I think it came out when I was born. Yeah, I, that was one of the, the earlier ones too, and I don't know why my mom thought that was gonna be okay to watch, but we watched that, <laughs> one. and and yeah, and it was that whispering. It was like was her, her name was Sally or something. It was Sally, like, Sally, Sally, Sally. You're like, what the hell is that? The whole movie wigged me out because I'm like, I don't know why she's staying in this house. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and that's <laughs> yeah. the whole thing too. I don't know if I could even be in one of these films because I'm like, why? As soon as there's something weird happens in my house, I'm getting the hell out the door. I'm gone. I'm out of here. You know, it's like, I don't know why people are like, oh, we'll stay here and see what happens. I was like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? So, yeah. I, 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 mean I, took, I took more issue with the husband. He was he was like, I don't want to live in this house. And he's like, yeah, you know, we, we, I guess we can make do. We've lived in high rises before. And she's like, you're going to love it. <clears throat> and then they show pictures of the house. The house is beautiful. <laughs> Yeah. It's this massive three-story. I don't know if it's Victorian. It's, it's kind of a weird house too, because it has one kind of architectural style dominating, like I'd say two-thirds of it, and it has this huge, like a like almost like a church tower that's sticking, like a Victorian yeah. kind of flourish. It's stonework, and it's just it almost seems like two incommensurate like architectural styles. And then they just show how big the place is. And on the outside, there's like a statue. There's like a fountain. Oh, like a pool and everything. It's completely beautiful. I'm like, what is your problem? Why would you want to live in a high rise? Plus he was a dick to her all the time. He was like, yeah, he, yeah. He, was a, yeah, he was an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it, was, it was really not. I mean, I, I think I saw a lot of people pointing it out as being, you know, very typical of a kind of misogynistic movie, too. Because she's like treated like a child throughout most of the movie. And I remember... Yeah. One of the reasons that Gol Toro, I think Gol Toro is a character from Sleep Wake Cycle. Del Toro, <laughs> the director who remade it, basically said he had to use a child because you just couldn't, that character couldn't be played by an adult woman anymore because of the way they no. treated her in the first one. And it was like, she didn't have any right to just say, okay, it's haunted, I'm leaving. It was kind of like she right. had to convince him. And, and I remember this one part um, where she's kind of, trying to air her grievance against uh, the handyman because he keeps basically chastising her for, for wanting to open the ash door. And um, he comes down, the husband comes down and he's like, what are y'all talking about down here? And so we're having a disagreement about whether to do this. And the husband like agrees with him immediately. Like, Oh, well, I yeah. agree with him. I don't know why you want to be in this room anywhere. It's cold. It's damp. And then he says, um, what does he say? After they're done talking, he looks at her and he goes, how about some dinner? <laughs> <laughs> I can like, see why go, they couldn't. You just can't yeah, do that. That's like go why do your, do your job, woman. <laughs> you yeah, know, go go like, make me yeah. some dinner. Go do that right now. And like the whole uh -huh. thing centered about her servicing his business needs because a lot of yeah. you know the subplot was he was this 
kind of go-getter and he was getting in this new job and, and he had to do everything to impress everybody. And he was having her make this dinner and uh, it was like, party and the whole, yeah. Yeah. And it was just, and, and I guess Del Toro was along the lines of like, this cannot be remade in that fashion because mm-hmm. this is so misogynistic in the way that they treated her. And so it was, cho- you know, they chose a little girl and um, I liked the remake, but it wasn't, you know, didn't... It, it, was, it was fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just the hokiness of the first one is what, what made it so fantastic. So it, it was good. I love Del Toro. I mean, everything he does is pretty fantastic, but eh, yeah, the original was better. <laughs> yeah. I, I, to me, that movie was so um, interesting because even though it was supposed to be happening in this really huge house, it seemed to me more claustrophobic than that because that was, I think somebody had pointed out that it was probably just a, you know, a, a house that was used for a lot of shots. In fact, I'm fairly sure, not a hundred percent. I'd have to look again, but I think it's the same. I don't know if it's a stage or proper, however they describe the places where they'll shoot. I'm fairly certain it's the same house that was used in um Oh, what's the name of the movie? Uh, it's a Lovecraft movie. Stephen, you've seen me watch it a million times. Oh, it's, uh, it's got, shit, uh, geez, a Dunwich Horror? The Dunwich Horror with uh, the, the guy that used to do. Yeah, he, was a, have, he was, what the hell's his name? He was on Quantum Leap. Um, Quantum Leap, the guy from Quantum Leap, the, uh, the doctor, the scientist. I can't think of his name. He's the guy who. I don't even well, he, play, he plays. He plays. Um, I had the name and I just lost it. He plays the. Oh, I'm sorry, people at home. I, you know, I can't do this. You know, I can't remember names. <laughs> but in the, in, in the, um, what was it, Steve? Was the name of the movie? Dunwich Horror. Dunwich Horror. Dunwich Horror. Uh, the main character, whose name any other day I could remember, Watley, Wilbur Watley, lives, the house he lives in, I think is the same set that they used for um, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. That was uh, the, oh, the earlier, the, the original one. I remember the floor and the wall set. I've seen both of them so many times. I don't know why it didn't click before like last week. I was watching. I I had to I had to buy a new version of Don't Be Afraid of the Dark because my PS4 ate it, the first copy. Oh no. <laughs> and I was like, I don't think I'll be able to get another copy of this because when it was first given to me by my sister, it wasn't anywhere to be found. Like she had to go digging yeah. for this thing. And the as a result, the quality was awful. I think it was recorded off of like a toaster or something. It was just horrible. So that's what I've been watching for years. And so I ordered, and I found out since the remake came out, it's everywhere. So I bought like the <laughs> studio version of it and I got that. And it's like a whole new movie. It's like, you can see things. It's bright. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like, Oh, this is like watching the movie for the first time. But I remember, uh, I remember a movie that disturbed the shit out of me when I was little. Um, it was, it was called tales from the dark side. Oh yeah. And, and then, uh, <laughs> There's one particular because it was kind of like an anthology show. It was all these different stories. But I remember the one that got to me was I think it was there was this guy and he saw gargoyles or something and he witnessed it. And they said, never tell anybody what you've seen. Yeah. And then he goes through life and he goes years without saying anything. And finally, he thinks it's safe. And he tells his I think he tells his wife, tells his wife who's who's, yeah, you, you yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, no. And then she starts, I don't know if they rip off their flesh or whatever, but they start turning into gargoyles. Yeah. They, they also never to tell anybody. Yeah. They had children and the children yeah. themselves were transforming uh, because they're, I, you know, I guess that was like the cycle of a gargoyle, but that was a cool movie. Yeah. yeah that was a really good movie. It wasn't it the, 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 
There was like a woman. She had a little kid in an oven. Like he was, he was stuck in the oven. He couldn't go. That was like the yeah. That was like the wait a minute. Was that the same movie? I want to say it was because she talks to him or he's in in a cage. I remember him in an. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. Yeah, she's got it's Blondie. I believe it's Blondie, the lead singer Blondie. What's her name? Oh, Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry. I believe she's the narrator, or she's the she's the she's supposed to be like a witch, and she's captured. Oh, that sounds really familiar. Yeah. He's either in a cage or he's in another. The, the the kid is the blonde kid from like, who's the boss? I want to say the blonde kid in Tony Danza. <laughs> who's the boss? Am I, am I connecting those names properly? I know who's the boss is, is Tony Danza, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know the kid you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. The little the blonde, blonde kid with the bowl cut is the kid that Debbie Harry is putting into the oven. And then he finds a book and he starts <laughs> reading to her is, is, is the means to kind of, um, first all is his being cooked <laughs> and and then they go through all the stories i think i think that's right that also the one where there was this i remember this other scene i don't know where, it, where it's from them though there's a cat a black cat and there's it's just it's just the guy keeps trying to kill this cat but he can't and the cat yeah. keeps killing people and there's one this one gruesome scene where the cat jumps into his mouth and starts clawing the inside of his mouth and then goes inside of him and then bursts out yeah, it comes back out when the uh, yeah, that's about this old man had made a drug um, and they tested it on all these cats. And so his <clears throat> his assumption was this cat had come back, which had up to the point uh, he's like, I, I always try to tell stories from the middle. <laughs> it just doesn't help me at all. The, the this old guy wants to have this cat killed. So he hires a hitman and then yeah. he tells the hitman the reason he wants the cat killed is he believes it's like an embodied mechanism of revenge because the old man had gotten rich off of this drug that he had made and they had tested it on so many cats had to kill so many cats to get the the drug in the in the proper formation or whatever and the cat had heretofore killed all of the other members of his household i think it was his wife and his sisters or something like that and so he hands the house over for the night to this hitman who was played by a guy who i can also not remember fairly famous in this day um and then the hitman kind of thinks the old man's eccentric and crazy. The guy, the old man leaves, leaves him the house. And, you know, the hitman's got all of his guns and whatnot. Turns out that cat is obviously not a normal cat. And uh, at the very end of the hitman's scene, he, the cat crawls down his throat and hides in his stomach. The old man comes home to find the hitman dead on the floor. And the other thing was the, the cat had to kill him by midnight or something. And the broken clock that had gotten broken during the, exchanges between the hitman and the uh, cat kind of moves and falls over and strikes midnight, even though it's not technically midnight anymore. Cat comes out of his mouth and then jumps on the old man's chair and just gives him a heart attack and he dies. I remember, I just watched it. So <laughs> what, what was that? What was that? Was that tales from the dark side too? I, I think that's tales from the dark side. Cause I remember, I remember that vividly. You know, you know, is, is it Tales from Dark? Is it the the other one that was a contemporary with Twilight Zone? Oh, uh, In inner outer inner, inner space. Yeah. Don't I feel like it's don't Tales you, from the Dark Side. I, I it sounds really familiar to me too. I need to I need to watch them again. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking of Outer Limits. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, of. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Tales of the Dark Side. You never saw Outer Limits? Oh, I have. I have. I don't. Oh. Think, I don't think it was that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, boy, Outer Limits is, you got to watch that. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. 
I think in some ways it was, you know, I might disturb some people here, but I, there were some episodes that I might have been a little bit better than Twilight Zone. And to add to that, I don't know if anybody's watched this, but it was um, after the Twilight Zone closed down. Uh, what's his name? Who, you know, Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling. He came out with another show called The Night Gallery. I was just going to say that. Yes. <laughs> that was fantastic. I love I, I have that one. I watched that. all. I love it. Love it. Yep. Love it. And that was just more horror. I think the Twilight Zone was more sci-fi with, you know, mm-hmm. some different things mixed into it. But for the most part, that was all, I think it was all horror. I loved it. It was just, that being on, it was on really late. Was that really like really late on a Saturday night or a Friday night? I, yeah. One of those, yeah. Yeah. God, I, Were you, I was just talking about that the other day. I was like, there's this show with night, night something. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Did you, did mm-hmm. you have the same problem I did whenever I tried to watch anything? Like for those of you at home, we're, we're Gen Xers. And our experience with TV is a little bit different. But I remember like the, the biggest pain in the ass about watching TV when I was a kid was you had your TV guide, which was a paper booklet. And yep. like watching anything was like throwing darts. Like it might be on and it might not. Like you could mm-hmm. you're like, this is going to be on at five o'clock and you sit there, you wait. And then like football comes on. Like, what the hell? It says right there. Yep. And it was horrible. Yep. And then it runs over time and you're like, now I can't watch my show. And- yeah. <laughs> You missed it. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. remember Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon that would always fucking happen. It would always every Saturday morning I would get up and I'd watch my Saturday morning yep. cartoons. And there was a commercial all the time for Dungeons and Dragons. And I think it was like at 11 a.m. I'd sit there and I'd wait and it never came on. Yet they would continue to advertise it. To this day, I have no yeah. idea why they advertise it, but I could never find the show. <laughs> I remember <laughs> always wanting to watch it. I used to watch the Orbots. I don't know who remembers the Orbots. Anybody? Nobody? Mm-mm. Nobody? Now, go, mighty Orbots. No? <laughs> Protecting one, the sorry. world <laughs> from the shadow of evil and do. Okay. I won't sing anymore. But it was an it was like it was like a Voltron um, show. They're robots that came together, except the robots themselves had personality. Anyway, it had awesome, awesome animation. Something I think that nobody's improved on in terms of like Saturday morning kids cartoons kind of stuff. Like our cartoons are still, I would say they're still the best like yeah. Thundar and all those shows. They're just, they're better. I have to say that Thundercats, all that stuff. Yeah. But like Orbots would get advertised and like half the time it would never come on. And I would get so goddamn mad. I just love that friggin' show. Never come on. Once the blue moon would come on after a show wasn't supposed to come on after, or you'd have to sit through like a number of shows that you didn't like. I like know. I can remember, um, it's like Sid and Mar- Marty Croft or, or I don't know, or, or Hannah Barbera or whoever it yeah. was, but they always had like these shows on. It was Land of the Lost. I loved Land of the Lost. <laughs> yes, but then they'd make me watch the Bugaloos. Well, in there, that's a problem. <laughs> Because you didn't yeah. know which one they were going to put on. Like that, you'd land a loss of Bugaloos. There was Sid the Sea Monster and Lost in Space. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. I could I've come talk up about with all scary stuff when you're a kid. Let's talk about the Slee Stacks, can we? So, I, think, oh. I, think, I think we said this the other week, too. But I'm like, those, like, number one, they were so slow. I mean, yeah. it's but, but they scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And every time they, I, you hear them coming into their stupid hands with their webbed hands, they walk real slow. And I was like, oh my God, they're going to die every week. And like, I stressed out so badly about it. And it was like, God, you know, that's so, that's so right. Cause I was yeah. going to say, you know, when I was a guy, I remember being 
being afraid of anything, you know, but no, I was, I was legitimately afraid of it. They wake me up. Stacks. Yeah. Every yeah. time they would show up. Cause they were like, I don't know. They would never engage anybody. Well, there were times when they would like capture them, I guess they'd hold on to them, but they're the whole of, yeah. just threatening. And the mm-hmm. thing I didn't notice before that having gone back and watched the show since they must've had like basketball players or something, play those dudes. Cause like, they were, huge, they were like right? seven feet tall. Like I didn't yeah. realize how big they were. I was watching it and I was like, holy shit, that guy's got to be like somewhere near seven feet tall. And they were all yeah. that tall. I'm like, holy yeah. crap. And um, then there was Enoch. He was the, he was the sleeve sack that could talk and he kind of right. creeped me out. And then there was the, do you remember the, the star dude? What was his name? Oh yeah. He like, he made this chime sound whenever he was around. He yep. was freaky too. I didn't yeah. like him. He, he kind of freaked me out. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we, we the one thing I really wanted to see in that show that I never actually got to see, and, and it might bring us into a conversation about Kaiju, was there was Alice and Grumpy. Alice was the Allosaurus mm-hmm. and Grumpy was the T-Rex. Yep. And I always wanted to see him fight. I'm like, oh, why I don't know, they fight? Yeah. And, and they, they, one episode, they got like face to face. There's like this big divide where the Sleestax territory starts and like, the traditional terrain yeah. ends and they were like standing at that abyss and they were like snapping it, but they didn't actually fight, which kind of sucked. Cause I was, that was my whole thing. Every episode it was, Oh, maybe they'll fight this episode. That'd be awesome. <laughs> every week you came back every week. You every were disappointed. week. <laughs> well, then I'd be really disappointed. I had to sit through the goddamn bugaloos. Who watched the bugaloos? Was there anybody out there that watched the goddamn bugaloos and wanted to watch the, the bugaloos? Oh my God. I, 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 I remember I would just flip out as a kid. No, I've waited all this time. And I'd be okay if it was lost in space because I like that show too. That was right. Really I had some monsters. Too. Yeah, yeah. But when when the sea monsters came out, I think HR Puff and stuff was in there too. Oh which <laughs> the, what? The, the, those writers were just drug addled when they did that entire <laughs> thing. I mean, there's just no way around that. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah hr puffin stuff come on <laughs> let's, let's talk about this yeah, somebody was <laughs> it's a big acid trip. Was, uh, yeah <laughs> jesus that cast things in the whole day i don't know why and like puffin oh, yeah that just makes perfect sense <laughs> it takes you it takes you a long time years and years and you're like wait a minute let me look back on this that's not right <laughs> dude you know what we could do like i was i was thinking about these people with wings and like uh calling them the bugaloos be awesome man we gotta do that no no man don't do that how about we just do this dude who knows sea monsters and stuff oh yeah right on man awesome let's do that and then there's like the only guy over there who's just drinking pepsi he's like how about we just do some dinosaurs or something like that you know like a coherent narrative fuck that man i got these bugaloos dude he just shrugs and goes all right paycheck mm. whatever we'll do it we'll do it i guess i remember the magic flute and everything <laughs> just oh, so many horrible stuff. elements to yeah. that fucking show but yeah i was i would wait like forever like to get to see the land of the lost and then kids don't know how, how good they have it I know. they get to watch whatever they want like we had to sit there yeah. like and if you missed it you missed it like you yeah, weren't you're not watching it right yeah. yeah you're done you're hoping for summer reruns and you're like, Oh God, please bring it back. You know, and you never yeah. got that episode you wanted to see. And yeah, nothing. You were just, oh, dumb. How, how we suffered, how we suffered. We so. did. We suffered. I, <laughs> I, I had to show you. my uh, son yesterday. He was like, 
because I told him we had video games. We, we, had, yeah, we had video games. And he's like, well, what kind of video game? So I uploaded this video from, uh, I uploaded, no, I just turned YouTube on. And I looked up a video on the Galaxy 2. You remember oh. those cheap little handheld video oh, God, games that yeah. we had? Uh, and like my my memory cells just went like oh i remember that sound that horrible just nasty sound that and i'm like i used to play this This he's like well how many video games can you play with that one one. just one (laughs) just just this one it was a whole box just for this one game that's all you got sit him down and show him pong that's there's another exciting He's like, Dad, I want that. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't want that. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's vintage. It's it, you know, it's something I might look at for 10, 15 minutes, but I'm never going to want to play that again. Exactly. Exactly. But, I got a uh, question from one of our Discord members, and it kind of loops into uh, what we were talking about last time uh, regarding influences and stuff like that. Uh, we were talking about Blair Witch and the found footage stuff. And uh, I'm butchering the name, but Eveltel33 from Discord um, was talking about um, a lot of found footage web series that popped up on YouTube in like the 2010s. Stuff like Marble Hornets, Everyman Hybrid, Slenderman, and the Backrooms. And they were wondering if we've seen any of them what, and what we thought with how they deal with their type of horror. Any of that stuff rings a bell? I recall the, the Slender Man kind of. Slender Man, I remember. Uh, I, I watched some of the Marble, the Marble one. After I read her comment, I'm like, oh, I'll look these up. So I watched some of that. That was pretty good. And uh, the I remember. I've seen. And there was a, um, one of them. I forget what, which one, but... Um, had a lot of like CGI in it in the video. I don't I, know if it was completely CGI, like a animated short or what, but I think I, I, I know I mean I've seen quite a lot of videos about the back rooms. Uh my son loves these little CGI and CGI animated shorts uh that this one channel puts out and a lot of them have to do with the back rooms, which I think, you know, I I think it's um it, it's it, it, it's not one thing. I mean, so many people have added their interpretation of the back rooms and done different shorts and whatnot, adding different layers to what the back rooms are or is. I don't know. And um, I, I, when I first saw it, I kind of imagined it was like a take on the labyrinth in a way, you know, Theseus and the Minotaur, that kind of thing. Um, because essentially what the back rooms is, is this infinite expanse of, hallways and whatnot and i've seen a couple of videos where the hallways aren't just hallways they're more formal rooms of some kind or another they have more of a, a theme than just being a hallway to them and um I, I think it's it's you know it reminds me you know going back to something i said previously about um like thomas Ligotti and, and some of the uh other writers that kind of more or less do what i guess you'd, you'd interpret as being like a dream um, translating that or transcribing that to literature in some way, shape, or form. And that's kind of the sense I get of it. It's it's like a very dreamy, um, kind of a, a almost like a, a nightmare for the most part. It remind it reminds me a little bit. I don't know how many people have read uh, House of Leaves, and that's about this gigantic. Actually, it's not a gigantic house. It's a normal house that um, has these rooms and hallways that kind of go on forever. 
it's an excellent book for anybody that wants to pick it up. Um, don't expect me to get the name because I, I won't be able to, but it's, the book is called House of Leaves, very popular book. Um, and it, it seemed to me to be somewhat related to that. Um, like these hidden rooms that just kind of go on infinitely. Uh, and there is a creature in there somewhere uh, to be, excuse me, sorry about that, uh, to be frightened of and to you know, obviously run away from. But I, I think that kind of horror is interesting because yet again, it borrows heavily from the theme of dream. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's something I like. I, I've, I've always enjoyed um, surrealistic literature, uh, stuff like that. You know, going back, I always say Thomas Ligotti. There's a lot of other guys that are doing that. Um, but I, th- I think that's in that tradition. Um, you know, it's the visual version of, of that uh, literary vein, I think. Yeah, I, I really, I, I like it because a lot of, the, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the mainstream not, not that I'm trying to be like, oh, I only do indie films, but like a lot of the mainstream <laughs> stuff that comes out is kind of <laughs> shitty. But um, I, a lot of them that come out with the big budget. I only watch out. movies that my friend makes in his cellar <laughs> and then burns them after he's done. He tells me about them and makes shadow play against the wall. To let me see what it might have looked like had it survived the fire. It does art. <laughs> it's art. Art. It's not a movie. It's art. <laughs> sorry as you were saying <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think they they these at least the ones i saw kind of harken back to the more classical horror movies in the sense that it, it, it emphasizes atmosphere it emphasizes tension rather than just some cgi monster that comes flying out or, or whatever or gore which i'm fine with gore it doesn't really bother me any. um i just I find it to be a poor substitute of actual atmosphere and, you know, scary stuff. But I think letting these, like, these are just normal people putting these out, which I thought was pretty interesting. Like the, the marble one. Why can't I remember the fucking name of that? Marble something. Marble Box? Hornets. Hornet. No, marble no. Hornets. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good from what I saw of it. And again, it, it, it more is taking Slenderman too, taking advantage of, atmosphere and just weirdness rather than up in your face gore or anything like that so you know a lot of times i wish these people would get the green light from the movie studios so they can make a movie i think a lot of it too is like a generation generational transition like you know where we were freddy krueger michael myers and those kinds of guys and, and it was kind of like a shift from those types of entities to slender man um i think one's called jeff the killer jeff the serial killer or something like that um there's another one called the rake uh you know it seems to be this generation's boogeyman you know mm-hmm. th- that seems to be the the context that i that i'm seeing anyway um but yeah i i think that those types of things are are kind of they're almost like folklore uh the way they appear mm-hmm. online now because they, a lot of people are trying to bl- blend or blur mm-hmm. the line between what is clearly something somebody created and then you know, trying to turn it into something like folklore by making it seem like it's either based on something real or <laughs> is really just a somebody's documenting a real supernatural phenomenon of some kind. Yeah, I'd say the Slender Man is probably the most famous one of them. Not many people do Slender Man-esque videos. I, I think that's one of the, the great things about the digital age, you know, as Gen Xers, we, <clears throat> pardon me, we, 
kind of we've lived in both worlds you know the the analog and then we saw the birth of the digital age and one thing the internet youtube and um you know just really advanced more affordable tech provides is um and this is kind of i think near and dear to our hearts as podcasters is it allows um a lot of regular folks with a camera to go out there and express their love of horror. It isn't uh, like when we were kids and we had Hollywood and whatever the big publishing houses decided to put out. Uh, so what the digital age provides is it allows the audience to share with the world what horror means to them. And I think that's really mm -hmm. exciting. And yeah. all things better kind of good, no matter the the quality of uh, the work. Um, it's just great to be able to express yourself in that way and share it with you know the world. That's really uh, really pretty inspiring. I think. Well, yeah, I got a lot of inspiration from those videos. We were when I was living in Georgia. Um, my friend Sasha was into film and everything. Um, and we had this idea that we could do Maltopia, but it would be like, um, you know, you always look up these paranormal videos where people see things and then it's, you know, we wanted to do that for Maltopia, what normal people were experiencing Maltopia, but except visuals and have these kind of like, you know, only like a minute long vignettes of, you know, someone seeing something and then, you know, whatever. I always thought that would have been an awesome idea to flesh out the world and use it as for videos, but uh, we don't have the money or <laughs> means to do it maybe one day. Yeah, it's mostly uh, money is always a concern, but time as well. Time's a big one. Speaking yeah. of, of of Gen X uh, monsters, we should we should right now definitively say once and for all who our favorites are. Now that we're here, we should represent something. And what I'd like to say, not that we're going to get into Godzilla yet, because obviously I would go off on why Godzilla is the greatest kaiju of all times. But I would like to point out that we're on the, on the horror topic. Freddy Krueger, way better than Jason or, or Michael Myers. That's I'm a Freddy Krueger guy. Oh, uh, I might have to fight you. I'm a Michael uh -oh, Myers uh -oh. gal, so. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do, I do have a love for Freddy, so I'll, I'll let you go on that. <laughs> I I like Michael, but I man, I love I love me some Freddy Krueger. To me, it was. Um, I don't even know if I've seen any of those, but it was something about his his claw. It was just different. Yeah, it was. It's iconic now, but. Yeah, really. It's cool. such a, a weird thing to come out of nowhere. I mean, yeah. a lot, you know, they went from like, he was a serial killer, but I, I think that was one of his least conspicuous features. He's this dream demon thing. And he's wasn't just, he a, he was a child killer, right? As he killed children, didn't he? Yeah. That's uh, what it was. In, the, yeah, in that he, boiler room kind yeah, of. Yeah. Yeah. But they, well, the remake, I guess they went, they, they went much further than that, which is one of the reasons I think the movie didn't do so well. They made him out to be you know, not just a, he was a, a pedophile from what I understand. Mm. And then that didn't, you know, I think it was always kind of inferred in the series. That they yeah. Never, they never, never really mm, said it. They, they don't yeah. say it. By the way. Yeah. He just killed them. That's all that he really did. Yeah. And, uh, well, you like Freddie. I don't, we're, I know your wife is a big Jason Voorhees fan. Oh yeah. Sarah loves Jason. I, I've come to hate him because I have to watch the <laughs> movies like a thousand times. <laughs> And she has this, this supernatural capacity to remember actors' names. Like in I, every Friday the 13th, there are 
cast of no names. No one's famous in those yeah. things. <laughs> she fucking knows all of their names. Like all she has to do is hear a name once. And she's like, got it. So she's like, oh, did you see Daniel so-and-so? I'm like, who the fuck is that? Like, yeah, he was like in this scene in Friday the 13th 4. Like, <laughs> hmm. But she loves she loves Jason and probably Michael Myers. Then. I don't know. I don't really have a favorite. I don't I I guess I like Freddy Krueger a lot. I like Pinhead. I don't know if I would put, I mean, a lot of people put Pinhead into that category, but I think, and I, and I hate to say this because I love Freddie, but I think Pinhead is more of like legit, like, it's not literary horror, but I think he's more, there's no camp to, uh, there is later to the, to the other movies, there's definitely camp, but I don't think there was really any camp in the first two. It was mm-hmm. really solid horror offering. Yeah. And of course you could, I suppose you could kind of say that about Freddy Krueger too. The first two the nightmare first on the streets were more or less straight horror films i think um and then halloween is too intentional yeah yeah speaking of um different media um david over on patreon asked um because over there we've shared uh some information about our uh tabletop game shepherd of wolves which Mm. has uh, been on hold for some time and he asked if we've if we would uh, consider um, making a video game and oh, yeah. any other video, any other media we'd like to get into. And if we had, I've said it before, if we had the time and um, the resources, the, the video editing that uh, Steve was doing with, especially in the first um, several episodes on our YouTube channel um, were just really good. And we even, at one point, you did shoot a small short. I don't know if it was with. Oh, that was uh, the initial. Um... Yeah, you were with us, Walker. I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. The, there was a, about the, a, bit the... of, a, a bit of a live action thing, and it was yeah. a couple of minutes long. And it was when we were doing the, the Shepherd of Wolves on Facebook. Yeah, I thought it'd be cool. Cause I was working with Sasha again. I'm like, Hey, I want to kind of shoot a move, like a, like a little movie of the family man watching his victim and then turning his victim into art and stuff. So yeah, that was, that was on Facebook. That was like the third or fourth episode. Yeah. And in addition to um, getting, putting our podcast to visuals and putting them on our YouTube channel, which is something we really want to get back into. um, We always, love the idea of interspersing the YouTube channel with like little live action shorts. And yeah. uh, the brothers have another friend who's really good with movie props. And he was going to make the, the ax from yeah. shepherd of wolves. And uh, you know, if you, if you use some dim lighting and throw Mark, Mark's a big guy, you throw him in a, a long coat and uh, mess with the lighting a bit, you know, maybe give him a wig. He could pass for uh, the family man and just lots of cool stuff. We'd uh, love to get into and um, much smaller time. We will, but a video game, (laughs) a Maltopia video game. That'd be imagine playing Donald and you you can just walk around and you have like (laughs) specific missions or maybe you have to solve the mystery of the red game or something. I've given that a lot of thought, like with the video mechanic, video game mechanics would be for like family man. It'd be like, awesome. Like you could come up with different. uh, The the only problem is I don't know if it would be hailed as just shouldn't make a video game that glorifies serial killers. But on the other hand, there's fucking tons of 
Grand Theft Auto yeah. glorifies like so everything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so yeah. But uh, well, you I, know, I the, thought, the family. I got. I got to defend my boy. Uh, I he never. I mean, he's a he's a serial killer. He's definitely a serial killer. It's never really the point. I mean, he. I don't think in the book he ever he's killed. I mean, one person. He mentions killing. In the very the, beginning, he's he's um, making um, art out of an innocent. So yeah, I think he, he's he kills like three people though. I think in the course of the oh, three that's not too people. bad then. No, it's just a couple. Just, just yeah, three people. It's, inf- it's inferred that he killed a lot of people before. Yeah, yeah but I mean, <laughs> and he's been in the newspapers. He's he's a bad guy, Mark. He's, I don't know he's, what he's, to tell he's you more about. of like a. Uh, he's an interesting bad guy though. Well, yeah. maybe you can. Like he says, they're pretty. You know, it's tangential. He just he's making art. He's trying to bring the dreams back. I thought it'd be cool in the video game where you could you could go up to a victim and then kill them, and then you'd you'd have this whole part of the game where you can like do different things to create uh, like rearrange the person into pieces. Of you art. mean m- mutilate? Yeah, much. No, no, no. Rearrange for wow, art. Dude. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you yeah, get like different parts. You could put a spine over here, and then that's make a, a gruesome cool game piece of right art. There. That'd be <laughs> awesome. I mean, not that I wouldn't play it. I'm just saying. I would play the shit out of that. Yeah, be like, (laughs) fucking cool. I can make art with this person's body and take a screenshot. Put put that on social media. Everybody can. Yeah, you you know, everybody can share their little art piece of what they did to this dude or woman. (laughs) Your new profile pic. (laughs) Here it is. Look at this. I did it with my own body. I I mutilated myself digitally, and here I am. A couple of uh, rapid fire questions, and I'm going to. Uh, wrap up the questions mm. with one um, regarding Sleepwake itself. Uh, Helenius, uh, who is awesome, she's uh, one of our patrons and she's very active on our Discord. And she, uh, this is a good question I think a lot of people have. And I think um, we definitely need to update the website with just some sort of just background. I got to put something on the homepage, write something up, uh, maybe come up with a visual of some sort. But uh, she wanted to know um, what time do all the different series take place? And a little bit of an announcement, if you haven't noticed, um, our Maltopia podcast, we've streamlined that lineup. Uh, We had uh, like four major narratives and interspersed throughout them all were little one-off mythology pieces and limited series stories of maybe two or three or four episodes. And we thought when we first started the podcast about four years ago, that it would be a great way to show everyone that the Maltopia podcast is more than just um, linear stories. And we thought it was a cool way to show the world building was by interspersing major narratives with the mythology behind them, behind them. And uh, it looked good on paper, but what we found out and what uh, you, the listener, have uh, probably discovered is that it makes for a really messy lineup. It's hard to keep track of what's going on, which story is this, is this, you know. So what we did was we moved all of our one-offs over to our Patreon, but it's on the main Patreon page, just patreon.com slash Maltopia. And that's like our, like a public feed. You can see 
all of those one-offs and limited series are still there for you to listen to. It doesn't cost anything. Just uh, keep scrolling past the the, the main uh, banner there, and you'll find all of our public stuff. You'll also, every once in a while, we'll declassify um, bonus content from Patreon itself and, and put it in the public page so that you can kind of get a get a taste of, of what we do over there for that community. Um, and so I uh, totally lost my train of thought. Somebody help me. Oh, boy, I'm the wrong guy to call for backup. Um, <laughs> I uh, yeah, Hellenius. The yeah, the question. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hellenius wanted to know what time do all the different series take place? And I think if we just stick with the, the major narratives and not all the mythos pieces, I think that'll really give the audience kind of a, a clear understanding. Well, I'll be, I'm, I'm actually going to be working on a, a timeline. I've been wanting to do it for a long time to, to make it pretty looking or whatever, but. Nice. I think uh, going in Red order. Mo Red Mother the, is the earliest. Red Mother uh, is the earliest. Yeah. yeah. yeah that even, actually even takes place before the Great Darkness. But, yeah. but that's the one uh, caveat we have with all our content, be it the, lar the major, the major narratives or the one-offs is that they can be listened to in any order, except the Red Mother uh, should be listened to after um, Shepherd of Wolves. Shepherd of Wolves, um, because even though it that's, takes place before, but even though it takes place before, because that's a three narrative series. Um, we have book one out now, and as soon as we finish. Um, posting the Red Mother podcast, I'll do the novel adaptation and we'll publish that. And then Mark will move on to book three. And so Shepherd of Wolves starts out with Donald and then, and that's like what, 2010? Something like uh, that? Yeah. Around, yeah. Right yeah, around 20, yeah, right around there. And then I have to check my notes, but I have it all in my notes. Red Mother is early 90s. Yeah. It's right then, before the. It's right actually, before it's the even later darkness. than that. Yeah, it's like right, um, like ninety eight. Oh, right before the Great Darkness. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, book three is going to take place kind of back in Donald's timeline a little bit, or early two thousands, or. Uh, oh, the newest book that'll be contemporaneous. That'll be happening. Um, well, I mean, it'll happen at the same time. Uh, all the other stuff has been happening, a damnation machine and whatnot. They've all been happening around the same time. So part three will actually catch everybody up to the to the most recent day. When they're talking about um, other things, like, for instance, uh, uh, the, the Boston Tempest, uh, the construction of New Victoria, the, um, a bunch of a bunch of those other events that we've we've talked about in the stories. And, and yeah, the New Victorian stuff took place in the, the early 80s um, and then New Victoria became more of like a haunted and uh, sealed off city, I think, post 1983, 84, maybe 1984 is when it officially became kind of a off limits kind of you know quarantined by the military don't go there there's you know any any number of um obstacles to try to get in there major events like that were almost precursors to uh the great darkness itself what about um damnation machine what uh damnation uh I, I believe it happened around the same time uh 
between 2000 and 2010, I think. No, it's it's more like 2015 to to modern day. Um, So, I mean, it's it's prior to the most recent, uh, well, sleep wake cycle, it was the most it was the most caught up to the modern day. I believe sleep wake cycle is modern day to modern day. Yeah. Yeah. And then Grimland. I believe that's, I believe that's contemporaneous. Yeah. It's modern modern day. Yeah. That's going on the same time. Cause I think I mentioned it in damnation machine ever, ever so briefly, but I'm not a hundred percent. But yeah, the only, the, the one that's really far back is and the only one that's really that well, apart from the shorts and whatnot, the only series itself that starts back, uh, prior to the great darkness itself was was red mother or is red mother and hellenius had a follow-up question um have we discussed having the stories interlock and that was one of the other features that we liked about putting little one-off mythos pieces in the maltopia podcast was that it would allow us to leave little easter eggs and little mentions and make various connections Uh, And those are all still there. And Steve, actually, um, he had some great examples over on, I think it was our Discord um, in the general chat. He uh, answered a similar question at length. um, Yeah, you see a lot of different examples. There's quite a bit of it already in in, in Maltopia. Like, for instance, what I mentioned. Yeah, we just, we didn't want to like throw it out there. Like, ah, look, it ties into it. We wanted to be subtle, but for instance, in the the um, sleep wake cycle, you run into the the white mother. Who, if you re- listen to Shadow of Wol- or Shepherd of Wolves, you'll recognize that who that is. Um, she references her son who dies uh, from hubris, and that was um, Donald. Donald killed her son. Um, there's a bunch of other ones in the in the. The, the only real, I mean, the the most conspicuous overarching things would be those things that made you know, press that made the media of some kind uh, in, in terms of, for instance, I think the one event that I reflected on a couple of times in two stories to establish connectivity uh, was the train massacre, which took place in the Shepherd of Wolves. It was when Jack Lantern, um, what's the Two-Face guy's name? I can't remember. Oh, Janice, Janice, Janice the Two-Face killer, something like that. And yeah. then there was the... Oh, gas mask killer looking guy. I can't remember his name. I can't remember anybody's name. I may write him and make him, but I don't know. Who it is. I love them though. I just can't identify them when yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember. Um, his name. But that was a big mm-hmm. event because it took place in view of, you know, the, the normal world, such as it is. I mean, it made the papers and so on and so forth. So uh, I've used that as a means to kind of connect and, and hint at connections between all of the stories. Um, I, you know, there really hasn't been anything, um, that's really made the news that would, you know, kind of cross the, the, the narrative boundaries, I guess, at this point, arguably there's some stuff in the damnation machine, but it happened at the end of the story. So I haven't really brought it up too much in uh, sleep wake, but there was the destruction of, they all know they're spoilers, right? <laughs> um, at the end of uh, the damnation machine, dead, Witch, uh goes through this massive explosive transformation. And that obviously would most likely make, news although it is a fairly isolated city um so there hasn't been a lot of overarching you know uh migrative kind of events that other other characters in different stories would have heard except so far 
Um, I made mention to the events in the Shepherd of Wolves in terms of the train massacre. And I believe Isaiah made mention of the uh, red game, although he didn't call it the red game. He was. Yeah. He said there was, there was a phenomenon where all these, the neo-psychotics were coming together. Yeah. So, I mean, but they, they, they all are connected and you will definitely see more connections arise. My, my, uh, I don't want to say that I'm like an, you know, Marvel phase one or two, where I'm going to make them all come together into some massive, (laughs) you know, gauntlet deserving whatever uh but you know they're definitely going to meet and there's definitely going to be exchanges between all of them uh provided you know i'm alive to do all of those things you know, it could go on forever who knows uh especially when i'm always trying to add new new series so despite the efforts of my my companions yeah. like i said the, the the one-offs are there's a bunch of uh um connections if you listen to the the one-offs and then listen to the series so like you, if you'd listen to the one-offs, you'd have a pretty good idea what the um, the dark hats is. That what they're called? Dark hats? Yeah. Maybe. Well, they're noxites. Uh, the the noxites. You'll you'll know a bit about uh, night um, uh, nighthead and everything. There's a bunch of them in there that that you know are mentioned in the series in passing or or whatever. And regarding uh, ongoing mythos, uh, we're going to be making some minor tweaks to our tiers. And so uh, over on Patreon, so for those uh, looking for more mythos pieces and more uh, short stories, uh, we're going to be providing written uh, mythos pieces on tier one, and we're going to be doing audio, um, audio mythos and audio stories on tier two. And then, of course, we have our Patreon exclusive um, kind of mini podcast series, October's Children, which um, hopefully in about six months or a year or so, we're we're slowly building it up. They're only five to 10 minute episodes right now, once a month. But as we build up steam and uh, as our Patreon community grows, we're going to be uh, bringing that to a minimum of one 20 episode, 20 minute episode a month. And ideally, hopefully someday soon we can do, you know, a good two episodes a month, 20 minutes a piece and really cover a lot of ground because um, Mark just keeps having ideas and they're all really good. And we have a great deal we want to explore. Um So if you're interested in more of the world building, more of the mythology behind the stories on the podcast, uh, that's the best place to find it. And over time, like I said, we'll be declassifying stuff and putting it on the public page. So it's always worth um, checking that out every once in a while and seeing what's new. Uh, A final question as we turn things to... um, a few teasers and what to expect for season two of the sleep-wake cycle. Um, Hellenius asks, uh, will we be seeing any prequels for Isaiah and Rosemary um, for their life before they, when they were apart? Did we cover this last time? Maybe we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we did? Basically, there wouldn't be a series, but they'll definitely, within the sleep-wake cycle series, you'll definitely be getting peaks of what the life is like. Throwback yeah. scenes and that yeah. kind of thing. I like that. I know uh, David asked us um, about the origins of Maltopia. Yeah. uh, When was the idea born? I I think 
real quick. I, I think it's a mix of the gaming background because you were a big fan of RPGs and more RPGs than tabletop RPGs, but um, you decided, well, I can do this too. So you created your own and you created your own world. It was partly that, but it was also your scientific background, your academic background, and your work in systems theory. And almost like it was a evolution of the two at once. The, the world allows you to tell stories, but it also allows you to explore uh, scientific theories regarding physics and all kinds of stuff. But that's just my my um, that maybe they came together at some point years ago. Well, Steve can tell you, I, I had, I made a bunch of games. Each one of them was yeah. kind of its, its own kind of self-contained physics and themes and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Meltopia kind of originated, or at least it started to develop around a central idea, and that was the Great Darkness of 1999. So the Meltopia is really essentially about the Great Darkness of 1999 in a lot of ways, even though it incorporates so much more than that. Um, but that was really the central theme, the central, the, 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 the tentpole really for it all, I think. And, and that came from a dream. Um, as I mentioned, I have ridiculously vivid dreams and I write, write them all down and, um, and I, I draw from them routinely, you know, I, and anytime I, I want to get to, you know, develop some new idea or whatever, I'll go to my dream journals or whatever. I, they all say D-O-N, Diary of Nightmares. Um, but essentially it was about a dream that, um, was really bizarre I, I woke up and i looked out the window and there were like piles of bones and bodies and these weird structures that were sticking all the way up into the sky right through the clouds and they were just bizarre made of bones and everybody was just meandering around the streets and screaming and, and i remember hearing a radio playing in the background somewhere talking about the horrors and the the, the demonic visions the world had woken up to and I'm kind of moving through this apartment, trying to take it all in. And I have roommates and um, we're discussing, we're trying to figure out what's going on because the house has been repurposed. There's skins tacked to the walls and there's weird occult symbols everywhere. Um, and the radio is still going on in the background talking about all these weird aberrations. We, we realize that what's happened here has happened everywhere. The entire world has been kind of suffused with weirdness, a, a kind of demonic residuum as if hell appeared on earth and then vanished and then we're kind of left in its wake um, um the reason i say that specifically is because it wasn't called the great darkness 1999 initially it was called the the reverse uh, rapture um that's what it was called in my notes for many many years and when it first made its appearance in, a, in the gaming scenarios it was called the the um reverse rapture the meaning the the idea was that instead of humans just kind of magically going to heaven it was hell temporarily appeared on earth um and that was kind of the basic idea of it we, I, i'm wandering through the dream uh this landscape and at one point in time my roommate this is disgusting so uh, a warning to those with sensitive stomachs or whatnot um she had passed a human finger in the bathroom and it had a ring on it and that ring belonged to another roommate who had missed it, who didn't have a finger. So we're kind of putting things together. Like what the fuck happened? Like you bit off what? <laughs> and 
then the dream kind of changes to not so much my perspective, but like this kind of collective perspective where I'm seeing the world and I'm looking around and I can kind of see what's going on. And um, someone's talking about the events that took place and what the, the predominant theory is, is hell appeared upon earth for a period of time and everyone who wasn't like a sinner or whatnot vanished from earth and hell had kind of taken over and all these demons or whatever they were branded human beings with their specific sigil and that those human beings with that specific sigil were on that demon's team and as a member of that team you had to go out and prove your worth by taking something from the other team and the only way you could prove that was like ripping off an arm or, or whatever or if you couldn't rip the arm off, take a bite. And then yet again, prepare yourself as gross. Uh, in my case, I, and this was demons would do this in different ways. The demon that I served uh, sat, it was really weird. He was like, they were sitting in this row of chimneys um, and he was sitting right on the open part, but the back of the chimney was built like a throne and the smoke was coming up and surrounding him. And there was like little, red points of light from the ash and whatnot circle. So I never really got to look at his, what his face was. I could just see his eyes through the, the smoke. And what I then had to do was squat in front of him and pass the body parts that I had consumed that day. And then they would sit, there was a bunch of them sitting up on these chimneys and they would applaud and, and laugh at me and me, the others of my, whatever my brand uh, were doing. And then that kind of faded out. And that was kind of my assumption of what happened because I was hearing it narrated to me or narrated in the background. And then there was this weird scene where I'm like, my point of view is floating up through all these buildings that have been covered in insects and skins and body, lots of stuff. I have, I have detailed files as the Terminator would say. Um, but then this little, uh, I think it was a little boy's voice said, um, mommy, what did he say? I can't, I have it written down. Mommy, when, when will we remember that year? Because we, at some point, it was it was realized that we'd missed this took place over a complete year. Um, and I heard the mother say something to the extent of when we sleep or something. And that was the torture. What happened was on the very first day we woke up, when we would sleep, we would remember the first day of the year we forgot. And it was driving people nuts to know the horrors um, that they committed in the absence of sanity. And that was that was my dream. And from that, I, I kind of tweaked it a little bit, changed some things, and that became the great darkness of 1999. And then subsequently, I built Maltopia around that. Dude, you are weird. <laughs> Good Lord. Wow. All right. Spoilers for, uh, not spoilers, but little, little info on season two, uh, some teasers, maybe a a plot point or a setting or what do you want to share? Uh, first of all, please don't hold me to anything because as everyone knows, I love using the word discovery writer now, but I, I know what it means. Like I've always been a discovery writer, which is just someone that writes as they go along. They don't really have a good idea as to what, you know, is coming up. They don't have any plot lines figured out. Which is so ironic given your notebooks and notebooks. Of <laughs> right. <notes. laughs> well, I, I like to know that if I, I don't come up with an idea, I can default to whatever I've written previously, but I generally don't ever run out of ideas. So I just keep going. But a lot of it is, it, you know, I, I do try to stick to a plot now. Um, Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, and maybe half of Damnation Machine was written with me just kind of going, all right, I'm just going to come up with this as I write. I'm not going to, I don't have any, I don't have a lot of notes. But then as I got 
it really a function of, uh, I have to be able to recall things. So I was writing things down so that when I needed to write something else, I could reflect on my previous notes. And through that process, I became a little bit more concretized in terms of process as to how I went about writing. Um, but having said that, I still, you know, I take liberties with my notes. And so what I say may or may not come to pass, but here's what I think is going to happen in terms of teasers anyway. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of the innards of the esoterium. You're going to, to get a little, a much grander sense of what's going on in there. Um, Romy and Isaiah are definitely going to get more fleshed out in terms of the kinds of things that they did previously, the things that they were up to when uh, prior to them being reintroduced to one another. Um, a lot of detail about what they are. And that hasn't really been asked much. Um, and I'm sure Mr. Sugar is big on the list of uh, oh, yeah. characters Mr. that they want to know more about. Mr. Sugar will definitely be fleshed out, so to speak. Um, you know, a lot of stuff. When, when I first started writing um, The Sleep-Wake Cycle, it was, I, I wanted it to kind of move fairly briskly. And so there wasn't. I don't know. I guess it, it doesn't really move that quickly. But what I really wanted to do was to, to build the, the sense of the world and the relationship going forward. And I didn't really address a lot that had happened previously. I mean, there were certainly issues that I did tackle about their past, but I didn't go into a lot of specificity with regards to some things we've kind of just taken for granted. Like, for instance, Romy's Balak. What the hell is it? What is a Balak? Where does it come from? Uh, so th those more granular, I don't even know if that would be technically a, gran a granular detail. It's just a detail you would expect to, to find um, will be brought to the fore. You'll, you'll see a lot more about what those things are, the origins of, of things that season one kind of took for granted. Um, and I, I think this might be more expansive. This would probably be the more expansive of all the series that I've written thus far in terms of the scale of, of what's going on. Um, all the previous stories were kind of um, fairly, you know, there was some tight boundary conditions with regards to what I let in and out. Um, and this one will not be, this will, this will probably be the broadest um, story I will tell uh, even compared to season one, which was fairly globetrotting. I mean, obviously not really globetrotting. They only went a couple of places, but it was still a lot more places than I probably featured in the previous series. I usually like to stick to one place or uh, a straight line between places or whatever. So this will be a bit more expansive. You're going to hear a lot more about what's going on inside the esoterium. You'll get a bigger sense of the world, the dynamics that regulate it, the powers beneath it. Um, and a, a, a bit more global history, not just what's going on now, but what went on before. Uh, I think you're going to get a lot of that too. I've been, so, I've been trying to get Mark to um, his artwork uh kind of follows his writing <laughs> he's a bit of a discovery artist and he just gets an idea and um develops a creature just kind of on on a whim he uh it just kind of comes to him and he, he works on it from there and often there's um some basis like hey this reminds me of uh the carnivian i think i'll shoot for that but I'm trying to get him to do more uh, series-specific podcast-specific uh, art. So I'm after him to create more artwork surrounding season two, and including 
the Baelic. So if you would like to see that, please help me bug him about it and get on our social media uh, <laughs> or <it>. wherever and <laughs> let him know. I want to know. Do it. Do it. Then you have a couple, need, didn't we? We need more pictures. artwork like that. Yeah, but I, I just I just half-assed those. I didn't really know what it looked like at the time because I was, you know, I was drawing a cellophite, which is what I called the wakeless initially because they came from the city of Cellophus. Um, but I, yeah, I really, I, I didn't really know what it would look. I didn't want it to look like anything specific at first. I really wanted it to be very protean and, and non-specific. Like, but then I kind of thought about it. I'm like, you know, it really does need a very signature look and going into a sleep wake cycle. It was, there, you know, I, I hate to betray the fact that I, I, people probably think I go into this with a lot of prep, um, but I don't. <laughs> and when I started thinking about um, the characters I wanted, and a lot of went into it when I started thinking about it, but going, but the initial process was just me kind of spitballing in my head, like, what am I going to, you know, what are these things going to be? And, um, and what the characters are going to be like. And when I st first started thinking of Romy, um, you know, I knew Kelly would be voicing her and I was reflecting on the work that she did with Eve and there was just how I was picturing her looking and how she would move and how she would act. And that's kind of where the Baelic was coming. Like the way I was thinking about her, I'm like, oh, she would be, she's got to be a wakeless of some kind. She's got to have a Baelic and she just has to. <laughs> you probably there's a lot of logic that goes on like I don't know I just kind of it'd be cool if she was a wakeless and then I go into the analytical process where I start getting the, going into the deep dive into the notes and in the, into the lore and the myth and whatnot but um, I like the idea of an academic who has a weapon but they're they're like more uh, an academic than they are you know uh, like a warrior like that's yeah. why I like the um, that's why I wanted to use the ink dragon from uh, for that story I'm writing Doom Crows, um, which also appears. I write the the ink dragon in uh, Grimland, and they're so much more academic that they actually have. Um, I think I call them a minder, basically yeah. a, a bodyguard. But yeah, all, at all the, the same dark time, scholars he, are assigned one. Yeah, at the same time, um, he still has some. Actually, they, uh, I forget her name, but um, the character in Doom Crow, she's a ink dragon. Um, but I love that idea that they're not just, um, you know, everybody loves a good Donald story where he's, he's just, you know, the, the, the baddest dude out there, but I like the, uh, the more kind of subdued character and the cool thing Mark does really well, um, is they, like in Romy's case, she is an academic, of course, but uh, and and Isaiah is the the badass, but in certain very specific ways, she's far more powerful, which is a pretty cool uh, twist that I really like. We get big. We've got to get. We got to get Kelly a Baylor. 
We gotta, we gotta like have one made. Yes, yeah. uh, yes. She'll, she'll be the first, <laughs> our first cosplayer. She'll be uh, Romy Stroud, and we'll go to all the, all the conventions with her. That reminds me, David wanted to know uh, now with uh, everything opening opening up after, not after COVID, but as COVID continues on. Uh, are we considering any conventions? And I've talked to the brothers about this a lot. I'd like to go to one. I, I don't know. I'm obviously we're all not very social and I would uh, definitely need some sort of medication to get, to get through one. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the thought of us having a booth and we have uh, like our shepherd of wolves tabletop game prototype. Has any of us ever been to, I mean, have any of you been to a convention? I've been to, uh, um, Sarah loved this one convention. Uh, it was in Atlanta. It was this horror convention where, you know, a lot of horror icons would show up and you get their autograph or whatever. I just I can't remember cool. the name of it, but it's fun. It's, it's cool. It's, what do you think, Kelly? I'm down. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't mind going to one. We could have t-shirts. We could have books that <laughs> you could sign Mark. And that'd be a lot of fun. I'll do all the talking. Don't worry, guys. I as got long you. as we, yeah, yeah, we'll put Kelly right out there. She'll be right up as Romy, and we'll just people hang come out up to the top. Like, I, uh, Kelly, what do you think? <laughs> we'll be we'll be back at the hotel, just kind of. Just give watching. me note cards. I got it. <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be watching the live feed, emptying out the. I'll be like, uh, you remember that episode of the the Big Bang Theory where? Um, why can't i remember names the smart one is his name oh, they're all the geniuses sheldon. yeah i say the smart one sheldon he he refuses to come out of his room he has a little robot well he's a tv screen with a shirt oh yeah. yeah he walks yeah. out that'll be me be like hey i'm here for the good there i am yeah but yeah I, I, but obviously. as long as we don't have to fly because mark doesn't fly we'll I'm have not to gonna fly a, we'll have to pull a ba from a team yeah, I don't. I don't want to fly. I hate flying. It's not that I hate flying. I don't even know what it's like to fly because I have never flown and I will never fly. I've flown unless... several times and I do not enjoy it. If there's a volcano erupting here and there's a plane there, I will like to take the plane, but only I'll wait to see how how close the lava gets. So maybe I can. Kelly, you it. travel quite a bit. Do you have you uh, <clears throat> flown a lot? Yeah, I I love flying. Um, of so course my, you do. How I, did, I know. I, I I know. Of course I, I do. Knew you did. I didn't know. <laughs> well, my Instagram handle is, is is Jetstream Dreaming. So there you go. Nice. <laughs> How there clever. You go. Well, <laughs> is, there, is, to... is, is it like a lot of turbulence all the time? Or? No, not really. No? I mean, I've flown. I mean, yeah, I've flown a lot, and I've had uh, maybe three times where I was like, oh my god. Uh, we could die, but <laughs> I, but I've, I've, fl- I've flown so much. It's honestly, it's, it's really smooth most of the time and, and really easy. Well, when we have our, our uh, panel discussion at San Diego Comic-Con in a few years, you can uh, just kind of hold all our hands and just get us through it. You got it. I, and I've been on planes quite a, quite a few times. Well, he, he, here's something about Stephen I should point out, like, you know, the whole concept of being <clears> brothers and he's friggin' he fly, he's on roller coasters. Here's something else I want to go on. I won't fucking go near. I don't even want to look at a roller coaster. I'm not getting on them. I'm not. I don't, nothing. I don't <laughs> find them fun. I, I, I'm the a coaster junkie. <laughs> kind of my, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I don't get it. It's kind of like my general apathy towards life. I'm like, oh, I, 
I don't care. <laughs> I look at those things. I can't understand you guys get on them. I'm like, holy the, shit. The key is when you have turbulence. So the, the key is when you have turbulence, the first person you want to look at is the stewardess and see yeah. what her face is. If she's not worried, then it's, it's normal. But if you see like an oh shit face on her, then you fucking yeah. panic. If they have that smile with their sweat stripping down the side of their yeah. face, you know we're in a lot of trouble. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had turbulence on them and I hate it. I like my stomach drops. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm not, afra- I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of the fucking process of like because once you you crash, you, yeah, just you got time to think about period it. Period of time where you're just yeah. alive and you know you're gonna die. But you're I like, get hit mm-hmm. by a car, it's over. I don't <laughs> think about it. I get I fall out of the sky. I gotta like talk to my son. Oh look, this. Yeah, you're gonna die. We're yeah, it's gonna could be sharks. I don't know. This is gonna be horrible. (laughs) This is the worst. I mean, can't I can't I can't sweeten this. This is this is the most horrible thing. Terrifying two minute drop, isn't it? Yeah, it's reminds me of speaking of horror. There was one that that it's not really horror, but I guess it is since Jaws is considered horror. This is fucking one movie and it gets blasted all the time as a shitty movie, but I found it horrifying. Was uh called Open Waters. Uh, I was, love th- I love that film. It terrifies the hell out of me. It's terrifying yeah. because it's yes. just floating around the ocean and then yeah. there's just sharks everywhere. And the, the, the scariest part to me was where you don't see anything. It goes totally black and there's a storm. Uh-huh. And you just hear these people like wading in the water, like in the middle of the fucking ocean. Yeah. It's just terrifying. That if I crash in a plane and I get stuck in the ocean, I'd be pissed. Well, I'm yeah, terrified I, of that. I, what, what's the name of the fear? There's, I see it on a lot of art now. Is the actual formal name of the fear of open water or something? Like that. Oh, um, oh, thalassophobia. Yeah, yes, that sounds. That's that it. sounds. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a diver, and that's like my nightmare. I'm like I only shore dive because I'm like I'm not going on a boat, and coming up <laughs> and you're gone. There's no way. And so yeah. yeah I, well, see, read about there, that. there. It's I can like agree. I love, I love, love, love to swim, and I love to dive. Now, I haven't yeah. been anywhere to dive. I'm assuming I would like it. I mean, I dive off it. of my my cottage as this thing we call the crib. I, I don't know why it's called the crib. Maybe there's some technical reason, but it's like a a a, 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 a predominance of or a, a, an extension of rock that just sticks. Out. It's a pile of rocks, boulders that sticks out. Maybe I don't know, maybe twenty yards out of the water, and they call it the crib. And I love to dive off of that. And I'm down there looking at the rocks, and you know, I got my uh, GoPro cool. down there. And I like that. So I'm thinking I like diving. I don't know. I've never, I had a close, I had a close encounter with a, uh, what the hell you call them? A huge carp or a muskie or something when I was a kid and it scared the shit out of me. I was, we were diving off this cliff and I dove down and I, I always like to play the game where you, you didn't come up and you pretend you drown. Your friend's like, you're <laughs> so not I a good game, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just fucking with him. And I, nobody knew that I could swim. That was what was going on this day. And I was pretending I was, I was like nervous to jump off the cliff and, and it didn't occur to me. Nobody knew. So I was going to take full advantage of it now that I realized they didn't know I could, I could actually swim. And uh, so I made it out like I fell rather than dove. And then I just <laughs> went all the way down and I waited, but to almost punish me when I was down there, I didn't, I went down as far as I could, which is pretty far. I looked up and like between me and the surface was this gigantic fucking fish. I don't know if it was like a sturgeon or a muskie or a fucking (laughs) carp or whatever it was, but it was fucking massive. And it was, I didn't know what it was and I didn't want to surface. So I'm down there now I'm legitimately drowning. I don't want to go. (laughs) I don't know what that is. And I don't want to go past it. And finally I moved and I, I surfaced, but (laughs) it scared the shit out of me because I I don't know what it was. I mean, it wasn't like a, 
you know, it wasn't a Loch Ness monster. It was just a sufficiently large fish that I didn't know what it was and I didn't want to go near it. And, <laughs> but, Speaking of uh, open waters, I, I'm, I'm one of the few people who can actually prove that I am more afraid of, of social embarrassment than I am of death. At that same cottage she's talking about, <laughs> I fucking... <laughs> I can't wait for this. Okay. <laughs> we, were, we were all out. Uh, my family uh, was out. My, my brother-in-law, my brother, uh, my friend Dan. We were all out in the lake, and kind of like the middle of the lake. And I, I can swim, kind of. Like I can sw- but I, I can't tread water. Like if I'm ice, if I'm in one position, I can't do anything. So we're all playing with, there's this ball, there's this inflatable ball that's, that's being thrown around and, they, and we're, I'm using Such the ball. Idiot. I, I have I this ball. I have this, the ball keeps you afloat though, right? It's like a life preserver. And like, we're playing with it and that's how I'm kind of keeping afloat. And then Jay, my brother-in-law and the rest of them go, we're going to go in, Steve. You can keep the ball. I'm like, oh, I'll stay out here. And I got the ball with me. <laughs> and that, that's the only thing keeping me fucking afloat. Like, I've just got this ball. And then I'm sitting there. I'm like, eh, just not doing anything. And then a wave hits me. And that fucking ball came out of my hand. And in that exact moment, I'm like, oh, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. And I just, I'm watching the ball go away. Now, meantime, Mark wanted to see if he could swim across the bay. And my friend Dan is on this kayak with him. And they're across, so they're on the opposite side of the lake. And I'm in the I middle. I look back. I'm, I'm swimming the length of the lake. I look back and there's this idiot. He's, yeah, you had the ball at some point. I just see him floating in the middle, just looking like a fool. <laughs> He's just staring this awkward look on his face. <laughs> and then these people come by. They're on oh, a the- goddamn boat. He's dying. And rather than ask for fucking. No, I won't do it. I, I was hanging out there and I kept thinking to myself, my mom and my sister and my family were watching. Like they were looking at me knowing that I couldn't get back. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a shitty son. My mom's going to have to watch me fucking die. And, this is fuck. and then this boat comes, right? So this, this boat comes across and they, they like, are you okay? You need a ride? And my thought process was this of like, Jesus, I'm going to look like such an asshole if I get on this thing. And then I'm going to be embarrassed. It's going to be fucking terrible. There's going to be people coming over. I'm like, so I look at him like, no, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, I'll just, I'm good. I'm drowning. <laughs> like, you sure? I'm like, yep, I'm good. <laughs> and they go away. And I can hear the collective, like my mom. She's like, I'm going to that's kill the you. End of it. The, the part of it's the funniest is when they left, you did say, actually help. when he said it it was like in this muted tone like they were far enough away and then he goes actually help (laughs) so i'm just out there preparing to die like i know i'm gonna die i'm like i'm gonna drown this is gonna suck this is not but i was but i have an oddly like I'm almost complacent i'm just accepted it i'm just like oh i guess this is it this is gonna i hope this doesn't hurt a lot and then was that finally, spirited imploring for uh, actually help. They were like too far <laughs> away to hear him. But it was, this this calm monotone request for for help against death. And please help. Uh, good, you come. Oh, never mind. So then, I'm good. So, so I'm just like sitting there embarrassed. And I'm like, 
Well, I see he's drowning, and I'm going across the lake, and I got Dan following me in the kayaks because at one point there's a lot of weeds. If I got tangled up in the weeds, I'd need help. So I look back, and I'm like, go, 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 get him. (laughs) So Dan turns around on the kayak and, like, Mach 10 all the way back and goes and, and, and grabs him and grabs me he, back I'm, and then he I'm literally me. going under my hand is like coming out of the lake I'm just I'm at this point I'm going under I'm dying and then out of nowhere I see he's this not even yellow. saying anything he's just so embarrassed he's dying he'd rather <laughs> die quietly than embarrassing I just I see this kayak and all of a sudden I see a hand grab my wrist and it's my friend Dan he's like get up on the goddamn thing so I get up and my first thing is like oh my god Mark's are, is Mark all right he goes your brother's dead we gotta go so <laughs> it finally brings me in and then I just get yelled at by my mom for like an hour. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why didn't you take the boat? Like it's embarrassing. I didn't well, want to yeah, be embarrassed. Please help. That is awesome. In a tone that nobody could hear. We are going to wrap up this very long uh, final episode of sleep talking with uh, one last question from Hellenius. She asks, is there, are there more ways we can uh, help you guys get out there for more listeners? And uh, thank you for asking that. And one thing we can always use, uh, any creator, any podcaster can use is just rates, ratings and reviews on your favorite uh, platform. We were happy to see we have a perfect five on Spotify right now, which is uh, really awesome. Um, Apple reviews, uh, Spotify ratings, any platform at all. And we really, uh, we really, really big help. Because I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll, I'll give you the background on this. It's like being an obsessive compulsive, you know, I, I want to see where we're at all the time. I must check every podcasting site, like every hour. Do we get a new review? So if you do that and leave us a positive review, you'll know. Have the satisfaction it was somewhere out there. Well, leave I'm, us uh, leave us an honest review. Yes, and we definitely appreciate um, all kind words and all constructive criticism. We're always looking to learn more about how to do this better, how to be better writers, better storytellers, better podcasters. So any, any and all advice uh, in that regard is very much appreciated. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. You can talk to us there, share our tweets, all of that stuff. I'd like to end by uh, very quickly thanking our patrons. And uh, we'd like to welcome our latest patron, Corbin. Thank you very much for joining us at yes, Tier thank 3. You. Well, there's, there was another one, too. Uh, Oh, yes, this month. Um, Corbin and Jay? Well, this was, Jay? this was last month. Um, Jen, thank you very much for joining us, as well as uh, Zed. Zed, that's one. Yes, thank you very, uh, very awesome. much. Welcome. We appreciate it. And very quickly to all of our patrons, thank you very much. Uh, Sarah, Deborah, Kurt, Jonathan, Electron Stories, David Gregory, Thesis Ascendant, Andrew Knott, Nick Mead, Peter Abyssal, ADHD, Alyssa, Zach, Hellenius, Alexander, Radiclue, Electrified Meat, cool name, 
Uh, Alyssa, Juno, Jesse, David, Courtney, Becky, Adam, and Tuttered Boast. Another cool name. That's Thank awesome. you all so much for supporting us. Um, the more uh, support we get, the more stories we can work on, the more time we can spend um, getting this content out there. And buy my brother some, some swimming more, lessons. <laughs> buy Steve if, some if swimming I'm, lessons. If I'm in that situation again, Goddamn right, I'm not taking that boat. I'll do the same thing. <laughs> and the more of this uh, world we can explore uh, with all of you in uh, different mediums than podcasting as well. Uh, books, YouTube, who knows what else. And, uh, and that will do it. We are premiering with episode one of season two of the Sleep-Wake Cycle on Thursday. The 26th. It's very exciting. I just edited the first episode and I'm sending it to Kelly uh, right after uh, we finish recording. And Excellent. Mark is well into the next few episodes and uh, it's all very exciting. So thank you very much. Thank you to the Rusty Quill Podcast Network, to all of our podcasting peers, our audience. We really appreciate all the support, all the love. And you can follow us on social media, Discord, and of course, Patreon. Thank you, everyone. We will Thank see you, very you much. in season Thank you. two. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. See you later. <laughs> imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.